Welcome to The Network, our attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. If you don't know anything about the Green Book, I invite you to Google it. With each interview, we are building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Every episode is an invaluable resource for black people living in and traveling through America. Subscribe to The Network. You may need it. Today's guest is double degreed CPA and financial planner Joseph Robbins. Joe, welcome to the network. Hey, Mike. Glad to be here. Glad for you to ha- be able to have me. Man, I'm, I'm excited about today's conversation. So go ahead and tell us about Joe. Who is Joe? Give us some of your background. All right, cool deal. So, uh, like Brother Prejean said, my name is Joseph Robbins. I'm uh, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm a, a 2009 graduate of Scotlandville Magnet High School, uh, born and raised in ba- Baton Rouge. Um, after high school graduation, I attended Southern University and A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, where I graduated with a Bachelor's of Science in Accounting and a Bachelor's of Science in Finance in the spring of 2014. I'm also a member of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, uh, root to the good bros. Um, recently married, married my wife, Miss Shante Robbins, um, last year, August 31st. So we'll be coming up on one year of marriage uh, in about a month and some change. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much who I am, pretty much what I do, uh, how, you know, where I, where I am right now, a little bit of my background and everything, and, you know, just a brief introduction about me. Okay, okay. I, w- I want to ask you a couple of questions. So you you mentioned that you have a double degree in accounting and what's your other degree in? in finance finance so you went to a magnet high school so man are you are you a math whiz would you be considered a math whiz would you consider yourself uh, a math whiz uh yeah i i guess you could say that uh i probably funny thing i probably knew more about math when i was actually in high school opposed to now because uh, a lot of the calculus and trigonometry and advanced math, I actually don't even use it. So, uh, you know, it's like a muscle, you know, you don't you don't use it, you lose it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I guess you can say that I, I am typically uh, a math whiz. Um, how I kind of got started on the accounting and finance track actually started in high school. I, I was on the uh, business entrepreneurship uh, curriculum. And so my junior year in high school, I ended up taking an accounting course that if you were a part of that curriculum that you had to take. And so um, I ended up liking the course. It was just basic bookkeeping, you know, debits, credits, trying to get, you know, the books, the balance sheets to uh, equal out and, you know, uh, making sure you take a note of profit and loss statement, just, you know, a little base level accounting. But for a 16 year old, you know, like, I was like, oh, this interests me. So I asked my teacher uh, at the time, I know it's kind of interesting, like a 16 year old interested in accounting, but, uh, you know, I was getting near the graduation uh, you know, senior graduation stuff, and I kind of need to figure out what I was going to do, you know, once I got to college, so I asked my teacher, and um, she took it, a, and she told, started telling me about, you know, a different opportunity and thing available in the field of, of accounting, and, you know, that accountants can, are always employed, basically, um, every business needs an accountant, you know, most people need an accountant, and, uh, you know, she was like, you know, it's something that you can really excel in. And, you know, I think you'll be great for this field, this industry. So she ended up bringing a uh, banker in 
and uh, to talk to the class about, you know, the different opportunities in the financial services industry. So uh, when he came in and, you know, talked to us and everything like that, I was like, all right, this, this is what I want to do. So uh, when I graduated in 2009 and started uh, at, at Southern, um, I decided to, gra- uh, to major in accounting. But let's, let's jump into this thing. So when you talk about your why and the things that you're passionate about, you said that you want to provide quality financial education and resources to your community. Dive into that for me. All right. so to dive into that, I really got to, I really got to start in the beginning, like the, the very beginning of like how all this stuff even started. Go so, ahead. Uh, so like I said, you know, I, 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 um, I, I, I took the accounting course in, um, in, in, in high school and, you know, decided upon a major, you know, beginning when I started my college career and everything. And so, uh, you know, and that was based solely on me being good in math, <laughs> you know, like, so I was like, I could be an accountant, I'm good in math, I could do this. So, uh, so like I say, when I, uh, when I, before I got to college and everything, my parents always impressed upon us, you know, Hey, uh, you know, you, you gotta do well in high school. You gotta do well, you know, involved in different, uh, activities and everything like that. You know, you gotta be involved in the community and, you know, different things to make you more appealing so you can get scholarships to go to college and, you know, you don't have to pay out of pocket and everything. And I never forget one one night, me and my mom sitting on the sofa and we're watching TV. And I, I had I might have been like a freshman or sophomore in high school, and uh, it was a sitcom. And the sitcom was uh, it it portrayed a, a middle class family, a, a middle class white family, and they were talking about like uh, saving money for college. And you know, well I'm uh, and it was a joke, and it was like, well I'm gonna just have to take this money out of your college fund or whatever. So I looked over to my mom and I was like, Ma, how much money I got in my college fund? And she looked, she was like, how much money you got in your pocket? And I was like, none. And she was like, that's how much you got in your college fund. So so I was like, oh, dang. So I was like, well, I got to get some type of scholarship or whatever stuff if I want to, you know, uh, go to school or something like that, you know, and I had to pay pay any money back. So uh, I'll just share, like, I'm, so I'm 5'5", five, five, like 140 pounds, so uh uh, athletic scholarship was just basically like out of the picture, so I was I wasn't getting that. <laughs> but uh, but so I took that time like my junior and senior, and I always, I've always had good grades. Like graduated uh, high school like four point three, like you know uh, high ACT score, you know. So I I was good with that. I was going to get all the community based and the state based scholarship awards, mm-hmm. but um, I realized you know like that might not cover my entire tuition, so I started applying for other um, scholarship awards as well. And the one that I applied for um that took the most time and effort was the bill gates millennium scholarship which was offered through the bill and melinda gates foundation mm-hmm. so basically the scholarship was issued to a thousand um minority individuals to attend college for at least five years like basically full scholarship everything paid for so that application was so long like the application deterred deterred a lot of people and so uh it 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 was it was very very long it took me like a month and a half to complete the entire application because i wanted to make sure like it was right and so some weeks some months went by you know i got communications form or whatever telling me that i was you know advancing through the progress and everything and then finally i want to say it might have been around april they sent me a big ups box and it was like congratulations you've been awarded this scholarship so you know my mom was was excited. Um, one of my mentors, Miss Elisa Wells, she was the uh, principal of Madison Preparatory Academy here. She was sitting up late at night, you know, going over my essays with me. So I, you know, I thank her too for that. 
my senior year in college, my car broke on me. I had a 1990 Acura Legend. So uh, they don't even make those anymore. <laughs> but uh, my, my car went out on me. And so my parents, they ended up getting me a, a, a new car, 2009 Chevy Malibu, to kind of, you know, reward me for, you know, my, my strides I made in high school. So okay. sticky note that car, because I'm going to come back to it. <laughs> so so my first year in, 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 uh, in college, man, you know, I, I also marched in the band at Southern uh, as well. Uh, I was a member of the Human Jukebox. And so my first year in college, you know, my main focus was, you know, marching in the band and making make sure my grades are okay. You know, marching in the band, make sure my grades are okay, because that's how I was keeping my scholarships. And so mm-hmm. well, they didn't tell me that if you had more scholarship money than it cost for your tuition, that they would give you that money back, like in a refund check. Yeah. So I was like, I, I didn't know that. I thought the money just went back to the scholarship people, whoever. But so my that my freshman year, I got a refund check of like $6,800. And so, man, wow. like, I had never, I had never gotten that much money ever in life. Like I'd never had that lump, much of a lump sum of money ever in life. And so I was working at the cookie place, the great American cookie company. That was my first job. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, my biggest check was like $450. And I thought I was balling. So, uh, so man, when I got that money, like, I was like, man, man, this, I could, I, I don't know what to do with this. And, uh, you know, that, uh, you know I, that's what we're wondering. We're, yeah, we're wondering so, what did the accountant do so, with this so, big check? And I know, at this point, I wasn't an accountant. I was an 18-year-old uh, native of Baton Rouge. So, of course, what I did, I went and bought some 22-inch rims. I went, and bought, I went to the Polo Outlet in Gulfport, Mississippi, and bought, like, so many clothes. I bought. I was buying my friends' clothes. Like, I was buying – I was just spending that money, man. Like, I, I was just – I was just splurging with that money. Like, I, I'm telling you, I ran through that money like it was nobody's business. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so that was my freshman year. And, then of course, spring semester came, and I got another refund check around the same amount and did the exact same thing with it. My freshman and sophomore year, uh, I pretty much, my main focus was marching in the band and making good grades. And it wasn't until that my junior, my junior year of college where I really – I really got serious. Enjoying this episode so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, or Pocket Casts. Now back to the show. So at this point, I'm taking upper level accounting courses. And, you know, and at this point as well, I'm still just an accounting major. Like I, I got one major. And so uh, uh, I, I had an opportunity to get an internship that summer, that following summer with ExxonMobil out in Houston. And so the recruiters came to campus and, you know, they interviewed a couple of students and everything. And they looked at my GPA and, you know, they saw like I had a part time job. And of course, I was marching the band. So it was like, oh, yeah, you'll be great. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we're going to do these things and blah, 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 blah. You know, we're going to fly you out there. You know, you're going to interview and, and we think you'll, you'll be a good fit. I'm like, okay, cool, you know, it's, this is fine uh, and everything. And also, <laughs> I'm like, man, you know, I got to get prepared for this. So now all these rims and polos and all this stuff that I had bought, I had not bought a suit. So I didn't even have a suit 
for, you know, to go to the interview in, in Houston. So I went and purchased my very first, you know, suit that, that I bought. I mean, my dad bought his suits and stuff, you know, when we were younger, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. me being a, a man, I had never bought one. So, so I went and bought a suit, uh, you know, Exxon over recruiters, they, they got my plane ticket and everything like that out there. And uh, so, uh, so they fly me out to Houston and everything. And man, when I say, this was probably the biggest eye opener of my college career, my college education. Like just, it was just eye opening. So, uh, so man, I, I went the, the first night I got there on like a Thursday, the first night they, um, they, we went out to dinner and everything. And it was me, two of the recruiters and um, another uh, young lady. She went from uh, she graduated from Southern Mississippi or somewhere, somewhere in Mississippi. And so uh, it's myself uh, a, a white gentleman, a, um, a white lady, and the young lady, she was also uh, white as well. So I'm the only black guy at the table. And I'm from an HBCU. So yeah. it wasn't, man, when I was sitting at this table, really showed me how, I guess you could say, behind I was. You, you know, not just a GPA, you know, like extracurriculars and a part-time job, but just professionally developed how behind I was. Mm-hmm. Um, sat at the table and you know I, I got to listen to this this young lady she's uh, rattling off you know how she uh, did different study abroad uh, uh, opportunities how she took part of different study abroad opportunities how she had you know multiple internships and things like she knows a second language and you know different things like that you know just just going on and on and so then the recruiters look over to me and they like you know well, what do you do and I'm like I'm marching the band. I got a part-time job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so, and it was, and, and, and it really hit home for me that night when, uh, you know, we're at this like four-star restaurant and, you know, they bring out the food and everything like that. And, uh, at the end of the meal, I'm realizing, you know, like everybody else, they took, you know, they give you those, those black cloth napkins or whatever. Everybody else took their black cloth napkin and put it on their lap and finished, you know, and ate their food. Mm-hmm. Man, I got to the end of my meal and my black cough napkin was still sitting on the table. So, you know, I'm like, dang, you know what I'm saying? So I know I didn't mess this up. So, yeah. so the next day we go in and I had two interviews and uh, with, you know, some of the upper management and everything just to get to know me and everything like that. And I'm like, all right, I'm on my P's and Q's. Like, I'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to do well in the interviews. That will kind of, you know, supplement for the whole dinner fiasco. So, uh, Man, I get in the interviews and the interviews went terribly, man. Like I just didn't have anything. I had nothing to really like wow them, nothing to, to mm-hmm. really to really show them like, you know, I'm the person for this job. And so, man, uh, it got so bad that this lady, she actually started teaching me how to interview while I was in the interview. You know, long story short, I didn't get the I didn't get the internship. And like I said, you know, at that point in time, man, I was just I just wasn't prepared. I I I can honestly say I probably wouldn't have done well, you know, there because I, I just literally wasn't prepared. And the fault of it wasn't on, you know, like anybody else but mine, you know, like those two, almost two and a half years of, you know, not investing in my college education, like not really truly investing in why I was, you know, there, um, you know, it, it, it showed itself. And so when I got back, huh? Let, let me ask you, so did you know, like, were you exposed to I, opportunities to grow in your major? Oh. I, I didn't like I, I just didn't I didn't know and I can't say that I wasn't exposed to those opportunities because you're you're going to see in my and in, in like as I continue on with the story and stuff as to 
you know, like things that I was paying attention to at that time. Like I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to securing a job or securing internships or things like that. I was f solely focusing on marching in the band and, uh, and, and, you know, like uh, keeping my grades up. Okay. And so that time away from the band was it really a blessing in disguise for me because it allowed me the opportunity to see, you know, what else my college campus had to offer. And so when I got back, I started like really immersing myself in various like uh, organizations and, you know, uh, different things that were being offered in the College of Business that I just wasn't even paying attention to, you know, and I, st I, I literally latched on to like some of the seniors and the juniors who had internships, you know, who were going to different like leadership conferences and, you know, different things and just really investing in their um, education and investing in their careers, you know, early on. So I, I latched onto these people and, you know, and some of them name a few, just uh, Demarcus Alexander, Courtney Alexander, Ebony West, uh, Michael Mallory, um, you know, Aaron, uh, Miss Tony Jackson, Brisha Stevenson, Carlton Jones, like just, you know, just to kind of give them some recognition, man, because, you know, I I, I was I, uh, Jason and Justin Evans. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Ashley Warner, like uh, Stephanie Chapman, like you know, because without them, like really, like leading me and 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 teaching me, you know how the the game and how it's played, I, I I probably wouldn't be at this position that I am at now. So yeah, so that whole junior year, that was 2011, 2012. Like I say, I focused on you know trying to get an internship or trying to do something that following summer that will help me out you know moving forward. So unfortunately, I didn't get an internship that summer, but I was um, I was offered to come to a, a, a black executive exchange program through the National Urban League. They had a leadership conference that summer in Orlando, and so from that conference, I was able to network with different people um to possibly you know position me for the following summer and then I also took advantage of opportunity where I studied abroad in London England in 2012 and that experience like really really like blew my mind because I had never been on a, a subway train or anything before um I'd never been out the country before my parents they so fortunate I, I appreciate them for all the sacrifices they allowed uh, that they had to do in order for me and my brothers to have more but you know we we did a lot of traveling around the country i've been to california florida virginia you know all over the states but i had never been out of the country before mm -hmm. so me being in london i was like oh man this is this is crazy like you know i never expected i'd be over here and then i was there for an entire month so through that entire month i was able to go to london i went to paris i went to amsterdam i went to barcelona spain I went to Normandy, uh, where World War II uh, D-Day was held, like got sand from Omaha Beach, like just all these different experiences, you know, that because I started investing in my 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 education and my journey um, that I was now exposed to. And so uh, when I got back, I was like, man, oh, um, try to, to backtrack too. At this point in time, uh, I'm no longer working at Champs. I'm now working at Apple. And so that was a... a, a, a a uh, uh, benefit in itself because uh, trying to get a job at the Apple store is like very, very hard. And um, I remember, yeah, it's, it's extremely hard. I remember when I, um, when, when they sent me the email to, to come out to the hiring event, man, it was like, it was like uh, maybe like 80, almost a hundred people there, you know, and they did like a big group interview type thing, like broke us off in sections and did a big group interview thing. And so for me, you know, having had those experiences now, like within the College of Business that Southern offered, 
um, I was able to say, man, I need to stand out. Like if I want this job, I need to stand out and, you know, position myself to stand out among the rest. So out of all, out of that almost 100 people who applied for that position, only four people got hired. And of those four people, it was a, a white male, a white female, an Asian guy, and me. So I was the only black guy who got hired. What do you think caused you to stand out? So when we had the uh, when we had the, um, the the group setting and stuff, I made sure that I was answering like every question. You know, every question I was I, I was chiming in. I was providing something valuable to the conversation. Um, the presenters, when they talked, I made sure that I remembered their names and that I that I looked them in their eyes. You know, and when they asked the question, I referred back to them by their name. So, you know, and, and, and spoke with authority. I also, uh, when like we were in a circle, I'd step out and make sure that they, you know, recognize that I'm here, you know, and then afterwards I made sure that I went and shook each one of their hands and, you know, connected with them and everything. It was like, you know, I appreciate you for this opportunity and everything like that. I hope I was able to, you know, impress you guys, you know, moving to the next round and everything like that. But if not, I still appreciate the opportunity and everything. And, you know, I look forward to hearing from you guys, you know, soon. And they remembered that. So, Who you taught know, you those skills? Huh? Who taught you those skills? Where'd you learn them? Where'd you acquire those skills? In the College of Business at Southern University. Okay. okay. So yeah, so like I say, when I when I when I joined the various organizations and things like that, when I joined those organizations, that's what they were teaching. They were teaching like how to interview. You know, it was times where we go in for our monthly meeting and they'll be like, Oh, we're gonna do an impromptu speaking contest or whatever and stuff. And you know, we break it down in brackets. And I'm pretty competitive, so I like to win. So, you know, uh man, you know, so the things that I take from, you know, these uh the the different uh, programs and things that we were hosting and the people that we were bringing in because um, when I got involved with the organizations I, I actually went into leadership as well I was the vice president of um, the Black Xavier Exchange program I was the uh, 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 student uh, the College of Business uh, Mr. College of Business for the uh, College of Business I was a student leadership ambassador on the student leadership council and so you know I didn't just become a member and then just you know sit around I, I actually worked for the organizations as well and um, so, you know, I was, I was, I was taught these things and how to stand out and, you know, what's going to, what's going to push me ahead. And so I used those tactics in order to get that position at Apple. And like I said, you know, they only hired four people and I was the only black person that was hired. So I was, you know, very appreciative of having those skills and being able to use them, you know, to get this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so when I did the study abroad, Apple actually allowed me to work at the Apple store in London. So, you know, around the Olympics and everything like that, being able to work at an Apple store, you know, that everybody's coming to, people from Russia, people from China, people from Australia, people from all over the world, you know, people from Africa, Morocco, you know, uh, Ghana, and all these places to get their phone service and stuff. And you having to, you know, not be able to communicate them, but still service them. That was like very, I guess, uh, well, I can't think of the word right now, whatever. So very empowering for me or whatever, you know, and just really aided in my development as a student and also helped me push forward in my career as well. So it was kind of like a study abroad slash internship at the same time. You know, so when I got back, you know, I was able to share those experiences with other students and, you know, people and saying like, hey, you know, I wanted an internship, but, you know, this experience, you know, played a part in my development as well. So, you know, I'm appreciative of it, but I'm still working toward it. So, that that year, this is 2012 now, this is my fourth year in college, 
like I say, I got the study abroad, you know, part-time job, but I still don't have any internships or anything. And so I'm, I'm still trying, you know, and everything. And uh, so now it's 2013. And like I say, I'm try- I got one more summer before I graduate. And so now I, uh, you know, I'm applying, I'm applying, and I applied for this uh, program through the United Negro College Fund called the Gateway to Leadership Program. And basically they took students from HBCUs and placed them into uh, these financial institutions that we wouldn't normally have exposure to. And so um, I interviewed and everything, and man, I ended up getting the uh, internship. So this, in- this particular internship actually placed me in New York City, in Manhattan for a whole summer. And so I went from no internships to studying abroad to now in New York City. And they was paying me $1,000 a week. So I was like, oh, you know, and they pay for my housing and they pay for my food. So like I say, you know, like how could they? In Scottsville, they probably call that a lick. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right, right. I definitely hit a lick. (laughs) So, So, you know, I went from, you know, like, like, like how fast, you know, I was able to turn around because I got serious, you know, and once I started investing in my, in my future and everything, it, it really started working out for me. So that whole summer, you know, I'm working on Wall Street. Well, I'm working because Hurricane Sandy had just happened. So people had, they moved, a lot of the offices moved to New Jersey. So I'm working in Jersey City. I'm living in Harlem. I'm immersed in like all this black culture. Like I'm living, I'm living off 125th and Broadway, which is like a, 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 a hub for like, like, Harlem <laughs> you know I worked the internship and everything made some good connections and stuff but they kind of felt and it's probably me being from South Louisiana I couldn't live in New York City <laughs> um you know and I, I and I expressed that you know so they didn't offer me a job afterwards and you know and probably they did I probably wouldn't have taken it because I just I just couldn't get that feel for New York City but what I did learn while I was there and this was another aha moment for me was how far behind in regards to like financial literacy we are as a community. Um, you know, so many people, just basic financial concepts that we miss. And then even things that are above the basic level that we should be exposed to that we're not exposed to. So being in that environment, like sitting with CEOs and, and, and like these, these big game changers, you know, um, man, it just really, it just really showed me a lot. And I was like, bro, we are missing so much in Louisiana. We are missing so much in Baton Rouge. Like I got to bring this, I got to bring this back to my community. I got to bring this, this business, you know, back to, I got to bring it back to my people, bring it back to my college campus and really educate us on, you know, how we can further ourselves, you know, um, in the, in the financial services industry. And so uh, came back, picked up the double major in finance and everything. My last year went very, very well. Um, when I graduated, I had about three job offers, um, one out in Florida, one out in Dallas, and another one here in Baton Rouge um, at an actual accounting firm. So I decided to take the one at the accounting firm, um, like I said, this time, because you know, I would be working in the field of accounting. And, uh, and another stipulation to get your CPA license is that you have to work at least a year uh, in the field in order to get licensed. So I was like, no, I can do this. Um, and they actually supported um, getting your licensure. I, like I said, I got the job at the accounting firm and everything, and I got I got uh, the position, and uh, man, it was it, it was basically a culture shock for me. Like it was it was a big culture shock. Um, I think at the firm in our department, we might have had about seventy about seventy people in our department, like just in the Baton Rouge office. Of those seventy people, I think we had like five black people, you know. And so for me, 
growing up in all black neighborhoods, going to, you know, all black high school, middle school, elementary school, going to HBCU, you know, granted I was, you know, working at the Apple store part time, but that was, you know, like every so every couple of days, you know what I'm saying? A couple of hours or whatever. And so my experience in London and my experience in New York, you know, it, 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 it was, it was cool, you know, working in those environments and everything where a lot of people didn't look like me. But for something that I was going to Monday through Friday, eight to five, six, seven o'clock, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot, you know, not only that, but I was, I was working in a department that I actually didn't even like. I was working in the audit department at this time. And so, um, I, I hate auditing. <laughs> um, I, I can say that with a passion. Um, so I knew within my first two, first two weeks of being there that I didn't want to be an auditor. <laughs> so, but I knew I needed, you know, this experience in order to, you know, push me to the next level, whatever that next level may be. So I was like, well, in this time and in this season, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start studying for the CPA exam. I'm going to try to get my licensure. I'm, I'm 20, I'm 22 at this point, I'm 22 years old. So man, that exam was like a big a big, a big change for me because uh, the, for those who don't know, CPA exam is the, the exam to be a licensed certified public accountant. Um, the exam at that time consisted of four, four and a half hour exams. And so once you pass one exam, you had 18 months to pass the other three. If you didn't pass the other three within those 18 months, you would lose the, the, the first one that you took. So, uh, you know, basically when you fast pass the first one, the clock starts ticking. So uh, I, I start taking the exam. The first section that I start taking is called FAR, which is a financial accounting and regulation. And it's basically basic financial accounting. Anyway, and sticky note that because I'm going to come back to it. Um, so I'm, st I'm, I'm studying for it, but I'm not really studying it for, studying for it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still fresh out of college, living in Baton Rouge. Like I'm still living with my roommates and everything who are still in college. You know, we call our house the dog house at this point in time, you know. So I'm still living in a doghouse, and uh, and you know I'm 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 still hanging out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not devoting as much attention as I should to you know this to this endeavor. So uh, you know, some time goes by, and I'm pushing the test back, pushing the test back, and I'm like, man, you know what? I'm just gonna take it just to see what it what it feel like. Now, note these tests are like two hundred fifty dollars a piece. Um, the study the study material. Just to study for the exam is thirty five was thirty five hundred dollars that I had to pay for. So yeah, out of pocket. And then all the re other registrations and everything like that, you know, was like five hundred dollars. So out the gate, I'm I didn't spend like forty five hundred dollars, you know, for this exam. So I take the first test, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this was hard. Like this is this was hard. And so I get my test score back, and I knew I failed it. Like I was like, you know, I knew I failed it, but at least now I know what to expect get my test score back and I scored like a 54 on it. You need a 75 to pass. I scored a 54. So I was like, all right, you know, stop playing these games. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you got to get serious about it. Let's, let's, let's do this. So they don't allow you to take the same test within the same testing window. Um, so they only test for nine months out the year, the other uh, month intervals or whatever, because uh, it goes quarterly, the other month interval, they're, they're revamping the test. So, uh, so I, I, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to take the tax portion of the test, of the test, which is regulation. So I go and take the tax portion of it and I fail it, but I fail it with a 70 instead of a 75. Uh, you know, I didn't get the 75. 
So I'm like, all right, you know, I made some adjustments, you know, I'm, I, I could do this, you know, this portion, I'm going to double back, you know, this next testing window and take this one again because I'm like, all right, I, could, I scored a 70 on it. I just need five more points. So at this point in time, man, like I start hanging out again. You know what I mean? I start, I'm not devoting as much time to this testing exam um, thinking that, you know, I'm going to knock it out the park this next go round. Go and take the test, get my results back, and I scored like a 67. So I scored lower than I scored the first time. So now at this point, man, I'm, I'm three tests in, you know what I'm saying? I'm $750 like out the door. And I'm like, all right, man, you really got to get serious. Like you got it. Like you're not, you playing around with this, you know, you're just wasting money and you're really wasting your time. Like, and this is, and, and I'm getting emails because every time somebody passed the exam, our firm would email, you know, Hey, congratulations such for passing the exam. Congratulations such for passing the exam. And so I'm like, all right, man, uh, you know, let's buckle down. Let's do this and everything like that. Like I said, I, I'm gradually making some like changes and stuff, but it's not really a, a whole, whole lot. So this next go around this fourth test, I, I'm talking about, I shut it down, man. I'm, I shut it down. I'm, I'm, I didn't cancel all my, uh, I'm not hanging out no more. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I didn't make a study schedule and everything like that. And I'm just, you know, really just at it. So I go in and I think, huh? For those of us that know you, is this is is this the beginning of grad bro, Joe? Yeah, this is the beginning of grad bro, Joe. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm like, I didn't shut everything down. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm like really just like devoting my time to studying. I'm talking about I'm waking up Saturday morning, like studying for six hours out the day. I'm coming home from work. My schedule, my schedule was eight to five working. And then uh, by six thirty, seven o'clock, I'm in front of the computer studying for at least three hours, Monday through Thursday, Friday, I'm studying for six hours, Sunday, uh, Saturday, I'm studying for six hours, Sunday, I'm taking a break unless it's two weeks before my exam. And then now I'm, if it's two weeks before the exam, I'm studying for 14 days straight. Like I'm really, I'm really on it at this point. Mm-hmm. So man, I go in, I take that fourth exam and I'm like, really, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh positive about it and stuff like that i felt i really did well on it get that exam score back and i failed it again so this time i scored a 70 on this on the test that i scored the 54 on the financial accounting i scored a 70 on it so i did better than i did the first time but it wasn't a passing score and so so now i didn't take the tax part two times i took the financial accounting part two times i got two other tests that i still haven't even attempted yet and I'm forward testing a whole $1,000, you know, just gone to waste. At this point in time, I'm like, man, you know, am I really even supposed to be doing this? You know, like. I'm discouraged. Yeah, like I'm really, I'm, I'm like very discouraged at this point. You know, I'm like, you know, my, my <laughs> this 2015, so my wife hasn't graduated from undergrad yet. I'm like, man, she probably looking like, oh, you know. He ain't who I thought he was, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, like, and, and to go from, like I say, you know, being a, a, the top uh, person in the classroom academically, you know, and um, and not being able to get past this exam and stuff, you know, was very discouraging. Not only that, what really made the ice on the cake is that, like I say, at my firm, a lot of my peers didn't look like me. So, of course, they didn't go to school where I went to school. You know, they went to LSU and they went to Georgia State and they went to Alabama, you know, all these different schools, and they're passing the exams. So I'm like, man are they like, did, did Southern do me a disservice? Like, did they not prepare me for this? Like, you know, did, did my upbringing, you know, not prepare me for this? Like, why can't I get past this exam? Like, what am I doing wrong? And so at this point in time, I had to take a, 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 a time to self-reflect and say, you're not putting enough work. 
you know, like you, you're trying to grow to another position and you're, you're not willing to get uncomfortable. You're not trying to, you're not getting uncomfortable enough to, for, and God's telling me, you know, you're not, you're not getting uncomfortable enough for me to push you to this next level. I need you to make some changes in your life in order to push you to this next level. And I got this gift waiting for you right here for you to receive it. Now, if you want it or not, you know, it's on you. So I'm like, all right. So I start, I made, I make some more adjustments to my study schedule. Like I said, I get on a strict study schedule. I get on a strict eating schedule. I stop eating like a whole bunch of crazy stuff. I start tithing and attending church more. I start really getting devoted and like, you know, praying and, and reading the word and everything. And I'm like, really, really just getting into this thing, you know, like really structuring my life to say, I'm trying to go to the next, this next level. What do I need to do? So at this point in time, you know, I get back in there. I took some time off to studying because like I said, I was just so discouraged. And so when I decided that I was going to get back on it, I took a piece of paper, yellow piece of paper, which I still have to this day. And I wrote the poem, uh, See It Through on. So, man, I go in and I take that first test that I took and I go in, like I said, I made all these adjustments and I passed it. <laughs> you know, I actually passed it with an 84. So I jumped okay. from a 54 to an 84 from making those changes and adjustments, man. Like, I'm like, dang, you know what I'm saying? All right, so I'm excited now because that's actually, they say that's the hardest exam to take. Like that's the hardest, that, that portion was the hardest and I already got it out and knocked out the way. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I got that one done. Let me go and try one of these exams that I've never attempted before. And so I, you know, I go in, I take that one and I pass that one on the first try. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, I'm, I'm two for two. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in this thing now. So I go in, you know, time going on, I'm studying. I go and take the third exam, which is audit. Like I say, I, I, I hate audit, you know, but I know how to audit. So I go in, man, I take that exam and I actually finish it. They give you four and a half hours. I finished it in like three and a half and I scored an 88 on it, you know? So, so I really knocked it out the park. You know what I mean? I really like just really did it. So now I'm down, you know, the last, the last exam. And I was actually kind of scared on this one because I took this exam the Friday, no, the Thursday before homecoming, <laughs> like the Thursday of homecoming, I took this exam. I'm like, man, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take this exam. This is gonna be my last CP exam, and I'm about to just go crazy for homecoming. <laughs> like, you know, matter of fact, out. this is yes. I was like, I am about to be out. Like, out is my name, it's tatted on my chest. That is me at this point in time. And so this was 2000, 2015, yeah. So uh, so yes, yeah, so I go in, man, I take the exam, and this is the tax portion. I get my results a couple weeks later and I ended up passing it. So from making those adjustments, man, making those strides and like really just having a reflection within myself, I was able to, you know, to say, to go from failing four tests in a row to passing four tests back to back to back. It wasn't that I didn't have the capacity to, to do it. It wasn't that I was ill-prepared. It was just, he needed more. You know what I'm saying? I needed more. And so, you know, those two tests, that, that the financial accounting and the tax one, you know, like I say, sticky note those because I'm, I'm going to come back to them. Uh, you know, so it's 2015, man. I didn't got my license. I'm 24 years old at this time. I think I'm like the youngest African American male CPA in the state, like at 24 years old with a CPA license. I'm like feeling myself at this point. I'm like, yeah. And so the main goal for me, you know, to even get the license wasn't even just for myself. It was for people coming after me because while I was at Southern, you know, we didn't have any young CPAs coming back and talking to us. 
we didn't have any very many older CPAs coming back and talking to us and telling us, you know, the importance of getting the licensure and things like that. So me attaining that license was really more of a, hey, I did it. You can do it too to my peers. You're building a bridge for them. Exactly. Like, you know, and if you have questions or something about how I got here, you know, feel free to let me know, like, you know, like, like hit me up, let me know. I'll tell you A to B and I have no shame in telling people that I, I failed four tests in a row, you know, before passing one of them, because that's my testimony. Like that's my journey. You know, it, I, I needed that in my life at that point in time in order to propel me to the next stage in my life. And so, um, so yeah, so, you know, I passed the CPA exam. I'm still working at the firm and audit and like I said, I hate it. So I'm like, man, I really want to tap into this wealth management field. You know, like that's where I really feel like I can do the most service. I can do the most, uh, I can serve my community the most in this wealth management field. And so, uh, you know, I start applying like, yeah, 2016, I start applying, start looking for another job at this point. And so I go to, uh, you know, I'm, go- I'm going to the big firms, the big wildhouse firms like the Merrill Lynch's and the Morgan Stanley, you know, stuff like that. And they're impressed. Like, they're like, oh, you're a CPA, you know, did this, that, and the third, you know, and they're like, they want to pull me on and everything. But something in my spirit was just kind of telling me like, nah, like this isn't where you need to be. You know, you're not going to be able to service the people that you want to service and, or, and being in this position. Um, for those who don't know, like many of the firms, like many of these large firms, if you don't have a significant amount of investable assets, they're really not trying to, to talk to you. You know, if you and the and the the the, the point is about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like, if you don't have two hundred fifty thousand dollars to invest, and eh, kind of you know wasting their time. And it's not a slight to people in the industry because you do want to maximize your time. You do want to you know make sure that because they have families to provide for and everything too. And so, you know, the higher dollar clients, they get paid more for them, you know, in order to provide for their families. Perfectly fine. So, you know, I I ultimately ended up declining these offers and everything and staying, you know, at my firm a little bit longer than I anticipated because I'm looking at this point in time for the right fit. I'm looking for somewhere that I can really grow, somewhere I can really touch the lives of people and really make change in my community and make change and my people, because at this point in time, you know, I've, I'm in the financial services industry and I'm seeing the disservice being done to people, you know, in certain areas, you know, I'm seeing the lack of, you know, uh, education, the lack of education, the lack of resources, the last of the lack of professional services to people in, in areas in which I grew up. And I'm like, you know, if I, go on, you know, continue to be successful. And I leave these areas, they will never get better. So, you know, that's why I live in in Baton Rouge. I stay in Baton Rouge because I'm needed here. You know, I'm needed here where my community needs me, you know, and I I just think so many times about my clients and I'm like, dang, I wonder where they'd be, you know what I'm saying, if I wasn't here. And I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything like that. But, you know, not even just the the lack of, 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 of professionals in the industry, but the amount of predators who, you know, prey on people who look like us. You know, it's a reason why payday loan places are in our communities and cash advance places are in our communities. And, you know, we get letters in the mail from these, you know, quick financing places and, you know, like these, these, these uh, consumer finance people that, you know, just destroy and, 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 and kill our credit and everything. And so, you know, I just, I just like, man, I got to be there to combat that. I got to be there to, you know, like steer our people on the right track. Uh, it's the end of, end of 
2016, like I said, and I, I, I'm still hating my job, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm gonna still keep at it, you know, and everything. And, and I go to Southern's career fair and, uh, and I get, a, and I talk to one of the recruiters at this company called uh, Equitable Advisors, where I work for now. And she's telling me, she was like, well, look, you know, I think, I think you'd, um, I think you like our atmosphere. I think you like our, our, you know, where, where we are. So I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So the, the branch was uh, headquartered in New Orleans. So I drive down to New Orleans and I meet the, uh, and I meet the agents and everything. And it's just a melting pot of culture. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's uh, white people, it's black people, it's Indian people. It's, uh, you know, like just people, it's men, women, you know what I'm saying? Just people from all types of, you know, backgrounds and demographics and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, this seems like a place where I can, you know, thrive and, th and, and flourish. So I take some time, I think about it, you know what I'm saying? I'm praying on it and everything like that. I'm like, you know what? This gonna be the leap. This gonna like, I'm, I'm gonna go out and do this. I'm a CPA, you know, worst case scenario, if this don't work out, I could go back to my firm or I could go to another firm. You know, I'm a CPA licensed. You know, they're going to be looking for a black male CPA, you know what I'm saying, to uh, enhance diversity in their practice. So, right. you know, you, you got something to fall back on. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. June 2nd, 2017, you know, I walk, <laughs> I walk out, you know, of my old firm and I'm like, all right, here we go. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, I ain't got no, you know, it's after tax season. So I, I didn't finish the tax course, but it's after tax season. So I don't have no, no clients and I'm starting, you know, fresh with this, with this wealth management, and everything like that, man, it's been rough. <laughs> like, so like I say that was 2017. So now it's 2020, like I say, three years, man. So my, it was times where I would get checks, like, cause we had certain fees that we would have to pay through the, uh, through the, through the company, like our uh, errors and emissions insurance and things like that, man, it was times where I would like get checks that was $0 because I was getting checks that was $0 because of all the fees and stuff that they had to take out. You know, it was time, man. I remember uh, my partner, he gave me six months, like of no rent at the office we were at. And he was like, you know, afterwards, you know, you're going to have to start paying. So man, I was, I would like, make myself sometimes I make myself an invoice on PayPal, send it to myself so I could pay it with my credit card in order to pull the cash from PayPal in order to pay the rent. Cause I was like, man, like this, the, yeah, yeah, this is rough. You that's know rough. what I mean? Yeah. And so fortunately for me, and I didn't get a chance to touch on it. Um, I had built up um, enough credit to kind of float me through that, through those times um, while I was in um, and just something that I share with, you know, the listeners and stuff like that. When I went to London, I had got my, I got my first credit card. And the reason why I got it was in case it had no foreign transaction fees. And they were like, in case of an emergency, you have something to use. So if I, you know, didn't have any money in my bank account, I had a credit credit card and the limit on was like $500. Unfortunately, I didn't use that credit card. I used it and bought some Kobe's, but <laughs> I didn't use it in emergencies. But, but look, I, I say all this to say, I say all this to say, it was a good, it was a good purchase because the it was toward the end of the uh it was toward the end of the um the study abroad and uh the Kobe's they only came out in Barcelona I just so happened to be in Barcelona at that point in time and so I was like oh I'm gonna get them and so uh they didn't come out in the U.S. you know I would never be able to get them again so I went and got them and I actually still have those Kobe's to this day and with his passing and everything I'm probably never gonna get rid of them now so okay and, Okay, that was that was my. I was gonna ask you, yeah. how much are they worth? Don't uh, don't answer that question. Don't okay. answer that question. I I don't know. I don't know. 
But like I say, like Kobe was my favorite basketball player. So, um, and I actually, I, 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 he's one of my role models too. You know that 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 Mamba mentality. You know, taking the CPA exam and all these tests and everything I kind of been to, I, I've tapped into that Mamba mentality numerous times. You know, to to push myself forward. So, uh, so yeah, man. So you know, th- this whole time, you know, I'm I'm trusting God and everything like that. And you know, like I say, I'm fortunate that I had credit available in order to float some of my, you know, monthly household expenses, like my lecture bill, my water bill, and, you know, things like that. Um, and that was actually just like a blessing that God was manifesting in my life. And I didn't even know it. So like I said, when I went to London, I got that first credit card and I got back, I just started doing more research on like credit and, you know, like what, mm-hmm. what is credit and stuff like that? Because in our community, so many, so many people talk about, don't get a credit card. Like don't get a credit card. They, they bad for you. They're going to, you know, destroy your credit and everything like that. That's not true. The abuse of credit cards is what destroys your credit. So what I would do, you know, I would use our purchase like my gas. I would pay my household bills on it and stuff like that. Like I was over the bills for the house with my roommates. So like I was, they would pay me the money and then I paid on my credit card, pay it off or whatever. And you know, I'm building establishing credit. If you got a a group of friends and stuff like that, and you know, you guys always taking trips and booking hotel rooms and stuff like that, man, I would recommend using that tactic because if your friends are going to pay you the money anyway, like everybody's going to put their money up, purchase it on a credit card, build your credit, get the reward points, and then just pay it off with what your friends are paying. Like, so that was something that I just, you know, continued doing, being a good steward over my credit and everything like that. And so what I was able to do was leverage those credit cards to build my business. So now this time, like I say, it's June, it's June and I'm working in the, in the financial advisory field. And then August comes, I'm like, man, you know, people keep asking me about this accounting stuff and everything like that. So I'm about to really get it. And I already know the tax course and stuff. I'm about to get into this. I'm about to start my firm further on, you know, through the, through 2017 afterwards, people started reaching out to me for like business stuff. So they're like, you know, Hey, do you know, do you do bookkeeping? You know, do you do business consultations? You know, all these different types of things, you know, with the financial advisor, I mean, with the CPA practice, I'm like, yeah, you know, I could, I could help you out with that because of my experience with audit. I knew how books were supposed to look. I knew how, I know how, you know, financial statements are supposed to look and things that, you know, you might not be paying attention to with being a business owner. So like I said, sticky note, the tax and the financial accounting portions of the CPA exam, I, you know, was able to have a revelation on that, knowing that God wanted me to fail those exams, you know, those many times because he needed me to be proficient in those areas. You know what I mean? He needed me to know that information because now Mm -hmm. the big parts of my practice are financial accounting and tax. So he needed me to know those things, you know. On on top of that, you, you mentioned something that I think is very noble, that not only are you proficient in those things, but you're bringing those things to your community. You didn't leave exactly. your for exactly. that. Reason. Exactly. So people who are, you know, just starting their businesses or, you know, like just really trying to grow, go out there and, you know, just build things in our community or whatever, I'm able to provide that accounting, you know, tax piece to them or whatever. And then also they could, they can see somebody who looks like them. You know what I mean? Like they're talking to somebody like all my clients, I tell them when I first meet them, I want you to feel comfortable. You know, I want you to feel like you, I don't want you to feel like I'm a, a accountant or an advisor or whatever. And I'm about to just spit out a whole bunch of, you know, jargon and term financial advisory jargon and terminology that you're not going to understand. And then you're going to walk out of here confused and stuff like that. And really don't feel like you, you know, really gained anything from our conversation. 
I break it down to them in ways that we can understand it. The average person can understand it. And so, you know, a lot of my clients, they appreciate that. And so, um, you know, and I, and I get the, the articles and the emails of like a, these large accounting firms that are, you know, closing contracts for like millions of dollars and things like that. And, you know, I do want my, my practice to build up to that point eventually or whatever, but I can't leave behind the people who, got, who are going to get me to that point. And I can't leave behind consciously knowing that our community in this area isn't being serviced correctly. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm never going to, to actually leave it, you know, like that's, I, I find I'm fulfilled in, in my purpose, you know, knowing that I'm helping others to be able to, you know, build up themselves. And so, yeah. you know, like I said, God, you know, allowing me to go through that trial and tribulation because he needed to be, me to be stronger. You know, I knew that I was going to eventually one day start my own CPA firm. I didn't know that I was going to be starting it at the age of 24 years old, though. <laughs> so, you know, at 25 years old. And one thing that I really had to get in, in tune with was giving. You know, I tried my hardest to, you know, be a giver, you know, and I'm, what I'm finding is that the more that I give, the more revenue that I produce, you know. So, you know, if you look at my, my giving increases, and I have, I have a spreadsheet from that I made in 2014 when I started working because I knew I couldn't go and make this money and be like I was when I was 18 and mm -hmm. go spend it all stuff. So I got a spreadsheet from 2014 up to now where I can track how much money I've made over since I graduated college, basically. And so as I look at it, I'm looking and I'm saying, okay, I'm seeing my, my income increasing, but I'm also seeing my giving increasing as well. And that's something that I plan on keeping, you know, going as I, as I grow my practice and everything. So, yeah, so, so, yeah, so in a nutshell, you know, I know it's kind of long and everything, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just all those experiences, you know what I'm saying, from, you know, uh, being at Scotlandville and then also, you know, not getting the Exxon job opportunity, going to London, England, or working at the Apple store to being, uh, uh, being the bros to, you know, my first job to, you know, uh, failing the CPA exam, like all those things have played a part in my journey. And I, you know, I didn't want to leave any of that out because, you know, we, the, the, the highlight reel a lot of times is that, oh, you know, Joe, you know, he graduated like cum laude, you know, graduated chief marshal from Southern, graduated, you know, with Bill Gates scholarship from high school, you know, done all these things. But I'm like, man, those accolades and those achievements haven't sold as much into my career development as my failures have. And so my failures have really sold more into me growing and developing as a professional, but also as a person, as a husband, as a brother, as a friend, you know, all those different types of things. And not saying I'm just going out there looking for failure, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I wake up every, I wake up every morning and I pray and I ask God to give me guidance and wisdom to direct me, you know, on my path throughout the day, you know, uh, allow me to meet the people in which I need to meet with, talk to the people in which I need to talk to in order to propel me, you know, to, to serve the purpose that you have set forth for me set forth for me here on this earth. And so sometimes, you know, I might meet with people who, who don't have any money to, you know, roll over to me for me to manage, who, you know, don't have a very uh, intricate tax situation or anything like that, but they need guidance in other areas. And so mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, there to provide that information and everything to them, you know, that's definitely the, the, the person I want to be. Man, that's good. That, that's a good word. You definitely found your purpose it, it reminds me of uh the picture of the iceberg and the the portion of the iceberg that's above water that you can see says success mm -hmm. but the larger portion of the iceberg that is beneath the surface that you don't see you know has those late nights 
those yeah. in the CPA exams, yeah. you know, yeah. all of those other experiences. That's good. So real quick, yeah. what advice would you give an undergraduate student or somebody who's uh, going into college or maybe somebody who's just coming out of college, their potential or current accounting major or finance major, what one piece of advice would you give them uh, just really quickly? Start investing in yourself early. Um, and it doesn't even have to be like accounting. If you don't have a, a concentration in accounting or finance or anything, this is general like information. Um, we have so much access to so many things. You know, we have so much access now with this um, day and age in technology to where you can Google, you know, different career paths and things like that and see what all they entail. You know, see, uh, listen to podcasts like how we're talking about right now and, you know, or listen to YouTube videos and just really get real deal insight on different industries. So once you find something that you can latch on to, something that you can identify with, then now you can, you know, start investing in that. You can start, you know, taking courses or to getting certifications or different things, you know, just uh, networking or, you know, just getting anything. You know, I, I, I read I read a lot of articles. Actually, before I stepped out and started the practice and stuff, I used to scour the internet, you know, really just finding myself going down a rabbit hole of different links, hyperlinks that lead to different things. And, you know, just really educating myself on the financial services industry because I knew that's what I wanted to do. You know, recognizing how the stock market works or whatever. I knew about Bitcoin back in 2014. I I, I didn't know how to buy it though. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, like just different things like, you know, that I, I just made myself aware of and were our talking points to no matter what crowd that I'm, that I'm talking to. So I would say, you know, invest in yourself as soon as possible. And you can start in high school, middle school, because we just have so much access to stuff nowadays that you really, it's no excuse for you not being able to do your own research. Okay. Y'all heard the man. He told you to invest in yourself. All right. Let's uh, shift gears, change lanes, change, change lanes just a little bit. What keeps you up at night, Joe? Uh, so what keeps me up at night is basically knowing how behind we, and I'm saying black people, are in, as a whole in regards to financial literacy. Um, you know, I really, until I started working in the industry and, you know, really like just getting involved with it, like fully, I didn't know how far behind we were, you know, I talked to some of my peers, you know, who are, you know, of other demographic, other ethnic groups and stuff like that. And they, you know, have had conversations at an early age about retirement accounts and life insurance and, you know, investing, you know, different things like that. They had these conversations when they were like 10, 11, 12 years old. And so for us, you know, a lot of it, you know, I talk about my parents and, and my grandparents, you know, a lot of it, they were, they were just trying, we were just trying to survive. You know, and yeah. every generation, it gets better. You know, uh, my generation, you know, we should be doing better than, you know, our parents' generation. The generation comes after me should get better than us. You know, and it, it, it is getting better, but it's just, you know, very discouraging, you know, and, and disheartening to know how far behind we are. And so, you know, and I don't, I don't really like to, I guess, like, say that, you know, um, on like various forms and stuff like that, because I don't want to be a part of the problem, like just constantly recognizing the problem. I'm a part of the solution. So, you know, what I try to do, you know, I try to host different seminars. I'm actually about to start getting into webinars and stuff, uh, post different things on my social media accounts where I can educate our people on things that, you know, we may not be aware of. 
And so that, that, that really, so I guess you could say my next thing that I'm going to teach people about is what keeps me up at night. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. You mentioned that you are a Kobe Bryant fan, that you are all about the mama mentality. I know that's something that you're reading right now. What else are you reading? So, uh, like I said, I'm in the, I'm in the old Testament right now. Um, New American Standard Bible. Uh, every morning I, I wake up and I read my Bible. Um, in the past, I would I would pray and I say, God, direct me where you need me to read. You know, where you need me to read on this uh, day or whatever and stuff. And it, I kid you not, every single time it would be something that I read that would be relating to what I was going through at this point in time. So uh, okay. right now I'm in a I'm in a stage where I'm trying to read the Bible front to back. Um, you know, uh, in order. And so I'm in the Old Testament. As far as books. Uh, I am trying to read uh this book by uh called the the Black Swan, and it basically touches on um recognizing the improbable. So, for instance, you know, you talk about the the pandemic and stuff like that or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and nobody knew it was gonna get you know to this point get this serious or whatever and stuff. Well, the book talks about you know people don't something isn't impossible until it actually happens. You know what I mean, like. You would have told me three years ago that we would have been talking about, you know, everybody in Louisiana wearing masks and they shutting down football season or whatever. I've been like, oh, no, nah, man, you crazy. Like, you, you you crazy or whatever and stuff like that. But now it's, it's, it, it actually happens. So we make changes and adjustments to our societies or whatever based on when things happen. You know, 9-11 mm-hmm. happened. TSA got, you know, updated or whatever and everything like that. Katrina happened. You know, uh, we have more uh, information on, like, infrastructure in South Louisiana and, you know, different things like that. I'm curious as to see, you know, what's going to be changing because of the pandemic and stuff like that. But the book just kind of, you know, just provides information on like how to recognize these things. And, you know, like just basically recognizing the extraordinary, the probability of the extraordinary actually happening. And so it's real, it's real, a real good read. That's good. I'm, I'm going to add that to my, to my own deck circle. I'm, I'm just stealing book recommendations from all my guests on the podcast. All right. What, what you got in your ears right now? What, what type of music you listening to? All right, so uh, for the past couple of days, I've been on that uh, Janae Aiko uh, new album. I really, I really, I really like her. Okay. Um, one of my good friends, his name is uh, Neil. He got a, a EP out now called Neil Forty. It's called Forty. Um, it's on Apple Music. Um, listening to that. Uh, you plug listen- your people. Huh? I said you got to make sure you plug your people. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, I listen to a lot of Frank and Beverly and May's radio on Pandora. So when I'm, you know, chilling out, I'm listening to that. Um, what else am I listening to? I, I listen to Roddy Rich. Uh, excuse me for being antisocial. That's probably like one of my favorite albums right now. Man, front to back, I like that one. Um, like I said, I'm from Baton Rouge, so I listen to NBA Youngboy. Uh, I yeah. like his music. And uh, Fredo Bang, who's also from Baton Rouge, I like him too. Okay. Uh, I listen to... Uh, but yeah, I listen to smooth jazz radio, classic of jazz too. Um, gospel music, Kirk Franklin, um, Fred Hammond. Listening. Oh, uh, Jesus is Born by the Sunday Service Choir. It's a gospel track. I really like that. Like that's that's a real cool track. Um, so yeah, so a lot of diversity, I guess you could say. You know, it's just it's a matter of how I'm feeling that day. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I know that you you don't really listen to any podcasts, but hopefully. You will add the network. Yeah, man. I, 
Congrats and subscribe, man. I, this is my first podcast I've ever subscribed to. Yeah, man, I, I definitely appreciate it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. This won't be the last podcast that you will be on. I appreciate you it. got a, a bright future ahead of you, brother. All right. So we got two segments left. We got rapid fire. I'm going to ask you five random questions. Okay. And you just come off the dome. Okay. Just, just come off the top of the dome. Okay. All right. Now, this question I ask everybody. This is one question that I ask every guest. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, I would, uh, shoot. <laughs> would I, be? I, I probably, my, my superpower, I like to be able to, uh, I like to be able to be invisible. <laughs> okay, why? So I can see if people talking about me when I'm not around, I can punch them. <laughs> Yeah, I know y'all was talking about me. How, how does he know that? All right, here we go. This, this is my, my, my second favorite question to ask people. All right, hopefully this doesn't stump you too much. Okay. Describe the color yellow to a blind person. Hmm. I guess you could say uh, it's brighter than what you've always seen. Okay, but it's a blind person. But it's a blind person. Okay. It's brighter than what you've ever seen. What I have. Brighter than what you've ever seen. Okay. All right. All right. We're gonna let you make it on that one. We're gonna let you make it on that. I'm saying that's a legitimate answer. I can't describe it. You know what I'm saying? Would related to anything. So. All right. Here we go. Question number three. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Lil Duval. Okay, why? Because like Lil Duval, I feel like we I feel like we relate a lot. <laughs> like I really like Lil Duval don't have no no cut. And so uh and you know he 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 came out with this song uh, you know uh I'm living my best life, <laughs> you know. And so I just feel like he lives his best life every single day. And I, I follow him on Instagram. And so I feel like he lives his best life every single day. So I would, you know, as far as like a, a fun person or whatever stuff, I could just trade places with for a day or whatever, it probably would be him. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Question number four. What city in America should not be included on a map? I would probably say, I would probably say Monroe. Monroe, Louisiana. Monroe, Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. Why? Why you say that? Why? Why Fun Row? Man, because nothing is there. <laughs> like, there's nothing. There is nothing in Monroe. It's North Louisiana. Uh, yeah, I would say Monroe don't need to be in the United States. Like you could just you could just pass through Monroe. Man, listen, I'm laughing, but I'm gonna tell you, brother. I do not disagree with you. I've been, I've been there quite a few times. Bruh, nothing I've been there quite a few times. All right, man. Last question. Last time you cried. When was the last time you cried? <laughs> the last time I cried was, man, like I say, a couple of, <laughs> I know I'm going to talk about this, probably a couple months ago, man. Man, me and my wife, Man, we was in some real deal, like, you know, conversation. Like, one thing I, I really enjoy about my wife, you know, we, we, we have good, clear lines of communication. Um, 
mine's probably a little better than hers. Like if I got a problem, an issue, I'm gonna bring it to the table right then and there. She might need a little time to, you know. And like I say, my wife's an attorney, so I feel like she'd be like putting together her her argument against me. Yeah, so <laughs> she'd be building her case. But uh, but anyway, but we were we were sitting on the couch, man. We was really having some, you know, heart a heart to heart about how each other, each other were feeling. And it was probably maybe about four or five months into our marriage and everything like that. And so, you know, it really got really emotional, real, you know, touching and everything like that. So it was like, I mean, I wasn't crying by myself, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't like boo-hooing and nothing like that. You know, I shit like a little thug to or something, but, you know. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, drop a little <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, but that, that, was, that was the last time I cried. All right. Good stuff, man. Thank you for sharing that. All right. This last segment right. is called You Didn't Ask. You Didn't Ask. My older brother uh, gave me this advice. He told me you cannot give people advice they didn't ask for because they just don't listen. He gave me that advice, even though I didn't ask him for it. All right. So that birth, this segment called you didn't ask. So what unsolicited advice would you like to share with our listeners? All right. Uh, excuse my language, but I guess I would say stop bullshitting. Okay. Uh, you know, every, everything, you know, from my journey, like what I was talking about, you know, came because I was BSing around, you know, um, you know, we talk about, yes, there are, you know, systemic things that have been in place or whatever that to keep, you know, us as African-Americans and African-American males and, you know, just keep us down and everything like that. But at the same time, we have to take a reflection in ourselves and ask ourselves, are we really doing enough? Are we really, you know, pushing ourselves to the point to where I'm not going to let these hindrances, these barriers or whatever, keep me down. And so, you know, whenever you find yourself in a position where you're not uh, achieving the goals in which you, you know, you seek to achieve or, you know, you're not getting, getting the outcome that you want to get, you know, look inside yourself. Don't point the finger, you know, don't be so quick to point the finger at other people, but look inside yourself and see what you could have done. What are you doing and what, could you, you know, what could you be doing moving forward in order to get you to that goal? And so, um, you know, one of my good friends, Abner Patin, who's actually here right now listening, you know, he gave me a good um, advice about a guy that one of his friends gave him. You know, we talk about people who, who smoke, you know, and, uh, you know, they're smokers for years and years and years. And then, you know, they go to the doctor one day and they find out that they develop lung cancer. And so it's like now they can stop smoking. But it's like, man, you know, if you had the will, you know what I'm saying, the mind to stop smoking, you knew this was going to be bad for you, you know what I'm saying, the front end, why does it have to get to the point where you're down to the bottom, you know, you're down and out or whatever to, for you to stop doing it? And so that really carries forward to everything that you do, you know, like, and your, whether your career, your marriage, your relationship, you know, uh, relationships, your, your, your spirituality, like all these different types of things, if you're not getting the outcome that you want, Start changing some things, you know, get uncomfortable, you know, doing uh, insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So, like I say, you know, stop, stop bullshitting, get uncomfortable and get serious, man. We got, we got to get serious. We got a long, long, hard road ahead. We got to get strong if we're going to overcome these trials and tribulations and we got to get serious because the trials and tribulations, not if they come, but when they come. You know, will you be prepared for them? Will you be, you know, standing there, armor, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, 
girded with the with the with the with the breastplate of righteousness, you know what I'm saying? The helmet of salvation, you know, just to get biblical on them or whatever. But will you be able to stand strong against them? And that's just gonna, you know, come solely on you. Okay. You didn't ask, but there it is. Joseph B. Robbins, CPA, double degreed in accounting and finance. Brother, I sure appreciate it. Welcome to the net. Once again, thank you for joining us this week on the network. For more information on Joe Robbins, make sure you check out the show notes. See where you can find him on the internet, on Instagram, on Facebook. Also, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Facebook, the network podcast. While you're at it, I'd appreciate it if you go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, or simply tell a friend about the show, share it. Every kind gesture moves us in the right direction. Be sure to tune in next week for episode 10 with Third Ward, Texas native Corey Crampton as we talk about From Dust to Rainbows, her platform for helping educators see beyond the dust and trauma of their most difficult kids and help those same kids discover their own rainbows. Subscribe to the network. You may need it. Until next time, peace.